Welcome to the next episode of the After Hours Podcast. In today's episode, Frankie and Daniel talk to Lindsay about her experience with the Genoa Bar and Saloon. Fun fact, the Genoa Bar facility is so old, it existed before Nevada was even a state. So sit back, get comfortable, and grab a cold one with the boys for another After Hours interview. How are you doing today, Lindsay? Great. Thanks for having us on here. This has been fun uh, listening to your, your other stories this last week. Oh, sweet. Yeah, I'm glad you like them. Uh, any in particular that yeah. you found interesting? Um, well, I just watched the gaming bar one that you guys just put out uh, in, uh, where was that? Uh, Missoula, right? Out in uh, Atlanta, Joystick Gaming Bar? No. Or no, uh, LFG. Yeah. LFG. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I thought that mm-hmm. was just a great concept. We don't have anything like that around here, so I was really interested in that and that would probably be right up my husband's alley. He's a big gamer, so I'm excited to share that one with him. He's probably going to want to go do that or something. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised that you guys don't have uh, any gaming related bars out there. You know, because what are the kids going to do when their kids and their parents go to Las Vegas, right? Like, <laughs> their parents are going to be gambling. Uh, you know. Yeah, maybe there is in Vegas. I'm not really sure. Vegas is like eight hours from where we are. So we kind of joke that Vegas is like East L.A. or something like that's a Nevada, northern Nevada joke that, you know, Vegas isn't really Nevada, even though everyone thinks when they hear the word Nevada, they think of Las Vegas. It's like a, a north south rivalry thing, I think. OK, that's interesting. I know everyone's like, oh, and I'm like, I, I actually never went to Las Vegas till I was 24 years old. <laughs> And I've lived here my whole life, but it was fun. I had a good time there. So you're originally from Genoa? Um, yeah, I, I was born in South Lake Tahoe, which is like 35 minutes from here, but raised uh, in the Carson Valley and have lived in Genoa. I live in Carson City now, but I would consider myself a native to the area. How do you like the area? Uh, it's a great place to live. There's a lot to do. We have a ton of recreational activities. We have a really big tourism industry being so close to Tahoe and, and Reno as well. We see a wide variety of people and it's just a really beautiful, beautiful place to live. I, it's hard for me to picture like not having Lake Tahoe kind of in my backyard. Hard to picture being away from it. Is it literally in your backyard or, or figuratively in your backyard? figuratively like 25 minutes away (laughs) (laughs) so i was gonna say that'd be really awesome if it was right there we uh, i actually visited like tahoe as well and some of the houses over there holy crap they're nice yeah (laughs) yeah my husband and i we we just drove around the lake uh yesterday we had our like first kidless date in like probably over a year um (laughs) and we were driving around fantasizing about living up there right on the water it's really beautiful that's awesome. And you have been in operation for how many years now? Um, 167 years this year. Ooh, impressive. Okay. <laughs> That's going to be a tough one to beat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, we have a pretty rich history. We were here 11 years before Nevada was a state. This was a Utah territory at the time that the bar opened. Um, so before the Civil War, um, pretty fascinating stuff. So there's got to be a, a lot of history. Do you have any like history stories behind your bar? We've been known to have a lot of um, like famous people that have drank here. Uh, this was kind of like a political hubbub drinking spot where 
I'm pretty sure every Nevada state governor, except for the last, the current one, and then the one prior, all have enjoyed having cocktails in here at one time or another. Um, even some U.S. presidents and the bar has been in some movies too, some John Wayne films. The town was in Misery with uh, James Can and Kathy Bates, uh, that thriller one. Um, so yeah, there, there's it's it's an interesting place. My family is the seventh family that has owned it in the time period that it's been around. When did your family start to run the bar? Uh, Twenty years ago. 20 years this September will be the anniversary for us. Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. We hope to be able to be open for it. So. <laughs> and what kind of led to you guys uh, taking over the building? So it's really kind of a funny, funny story. But um, my dad was a union carpenter for 38 years. And my mom owned a early childhood development center, a preschool. They had never even been in this bar before. They they had no, like nothing happened where they're like, we want to own a bar. Uh, what ended up happening was my dad's boss heard that this place was going to be for sale kind of, kind of quietly. Um, the current owners, she wanted to sell it before she passed away. She didn't want it to like continue in her family. She just kind of wanted to take care of it before she went. And so it was kind of a quick thing. And so my dad's boss wanted to buy it but he didn't have enough capital. And he was aware that my my parents um, had either come close to paying off their house or were you know, in a, a better financial situation. And so originally it was uh, three different couples that purchased this bar 20 years ago that got the capital together um, to get it. And it was a kind of a quick thing. My parents had like 12 days to decide or something <laughs> to, take out, you know, on the house and, and buy it. And they did. Um, and I'm very grateful they did for sure. That's, that's a pretty high intense situation. You have 12 days to make one of the biggest decisions of your life. <laughs> I know. And they had never even been in here. So they were, <laughs> they were like, wow. Talk about an impulse buy. <laughs> yeah. And my dad, my dad is really quite the history buff. And so I think immediately know learning about the history of this place being the oldest operating bar in Nevada or at the first and the oldest in operation and um really just kind of intrigued him and I I think that's why he really leaned into it you know he'd worked he worked in the casino industry as a carpenter for decades and knew the value of the kind of the tourist dollar that's available in Nevada and um, thought that it would be um a great in investment and it's worked out well for us. They ended up buying out the other partners within a few years of, of operation. Yeah. And just from going through you guys' social media, it looks like you're having a really good time with running the bar and everything. Do you have any personal favorite moments that you've had uh, while running the Genoa bar? Well, a highlight for me is when someone in the community um, is in need of something and we're able to to get together with a big group of people and put on a fundraiser for for people in our community that need help for different things. And um, seeing that come together and just the community spirit of taking care of your own, um, that's probably one of my favorite things to witness here. That's really cool. 
There's a lot of businesses that wouldn't do that. And I don't know if that plays into the Genoa sense of community. Um, do you believe that Genoa, you know, as a whole is I'm, I'm losing the words I'm trying to say, but I guess is Genoa just like any other place where you can have business owners that come together for good, good reasons and not be in competition? Um, yeah, I mean, we there's always, you know, human beings always have different um, personality things they bring to the table. And in a small town of 300, we do have large populations surrounding us. But, um, you know, it's kind of like a little, little town of Mayberry and then you know, people sometimes battle it out with each other <laughs> in a sense where someone's angry at someone for a while or whatever. But for the most part, we all we all really try to work together. And, you know, like if I run out of cranberry juice or something, I know I have two places in town I can go to and borrow cranberry juice. You know, if we run out of a CO2 tank or if they run out of a CO2 tank, they can come here and borrow one of mine. And and so there there is a good community partnership here. For sure. When you do have beef with another bar or anything, do you still have draws like how you did back in the 19th century? No. Although we still <laughs> have the um, <laughs> the hardware on the outside doors for the steel shutters in case that, that happens, but we haven't had to evaluate that at all. So. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> so you guys have been in operation for over 160 years, but your family 20 years yeah. ago. And how long have you been working there? Um, I've worked here for nine years and I've been managing uh, for, I would say about eight. Cool. Right on. Yeah. It's been, it's been a fun place to be and um, probably one of the biggest teachers of my adult life for sure with, with people and, you know, business and all those things. It's a good teacher. Good. Get, you get good life lessons as a bartender for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. What were you doing prior to this? Um, so prior to this, I was a preschool teacher. I had done that for about seven years. And then when I started working here, I actually did both for about a year straight. And that was pretty fun and exhausting. <laughs> Daylight as a, as a teacher and then your, your nightlife cosplay as a bar owner or bar <laughs> manager. That's got to be pretty intense. Was there any similarities between looking over like the preschool, the preschoolers and looking over, you know, you have a few drunks here and there. Is there any similarities between their, how they're acting or anything? Yes. So I would say that my negotiation skills with difficult human beings <laughs> um, have proved to be very uh, beneficial in both those positions. And yeah, they, they, it goes well together. You know, use your inside voice. And if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You know, all that good stuff. And it would be it'd be pretty funny, too, when, you know, like a, a parent of one of my students would come in on like a Saturday night when I was working. And, you know, they're they're great, responsible parents and their kids are great. And they've gone out with friends, you know, they've gotten a babysitter, whatever, and they've had a few cocktails and then they end up late at night at my place and they walk in and they see me. Oh my gosh. It's really funny to see, <laughs> see people's reaction. The, the most common reaction is you never see people who try to sober up quick. It's like, I'm a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> it's like instant sober. I would like a glass of water. You know, it, It's pretty funny. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And it's pretty common in Nevada for teachers to also work 
in casino industries, bar industries. I have um, two teachers that work for me right now. It's a common thing. I don't know why, but probably just because of our, our industry that we have here with tourism. Are they, because I know there can be issues with teachers and then like them working in uh, like other businesses. Is there, is it strict? No. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. if, you're sure. in, if you're a teacher and you're seeing a different environment, you can get fired for it. Is that really strict over where you're at no. or is it, is it a little loose? No. Yeah, no. Nevada is probably one of the last least restrictive states kind of in the country. That's kind of how we feel um, about Nevada. We don't have a lot of over-regulation type things. It seems to be drifting more towards that lately, of course, but yeah, no, nothing like that. Oh, you guys are catching up with the the rest of the U.S. (laughs) Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) No, I I know how it is. Uh, My mom works in a school district and she tells me stories all the time. Like if teachers um, post something on social media, that is considered provocative even though it's like not or they have alcohol in pictures stuff like that can really get they can cause harm to the teacher's career and they get reprimanded pretty often for that yeah i don't know any of any of like the rules or regulations about stuff um like that like on your personal side but i know as far as you holding another job that's in a legal industry in the state it's it's not gonna it's not gonna affect you negatively Many of them are like blackjack dealers and poker and stuff like that too. Yeah, it would suck if you were working at a bar as a, you know a bartender or something, and then you someone takes a picture of you serving drinks, and then that's on social media with drinks in your hand or something, and the ramifications ramification of that. Yeah, Nevada is is a pretty. I don't know what the right word is to use for it, but kind of like a, oh, get over it. (laughs) (laughs) At least Northern Nevada is for sure. (laughs) That's pretty cool. How, how's Northern Nevada taking to the regulations that are being put in place for COVID-19? Well, I mean, everyone is trying really hard. Um, Unfortunately, the way, so our governor's decisions on enforcing regulations, he has kind of handed it over to OSHA and partnered OSHA with the Nevada business um, industry or business of industry. So OSHA is the one that is enforcing um, a majority of the regulations as well as health officials and stuff too. So they're, you know, they're compiling compliance numbers and giving them and Southern Nevada was like 49% compliant across the board. And Northern Nevada was, I believe, 82% compliant. We are doing, trying to do as best as we can. So it's kind of unfortunate that we feel like we're getting a little bit lumped in with, with Las Vegas's issues when they make decisions across the board to close states, close different counties' bars. So we're waiting on the the word on that as we speak right now, if we're going to be in operation past midnight tonight. Right. So Las Vegas, are they still operating casinos or is it just, is it bars that are closed down right now? It's just bars right now. The casinos are open. Damn. Yeah, I know. And it, it's, it's hard to, hard to look at restaurants because we don't serve food. So the way they're classifying it, it is if you don't serve food, you don't get to be open. Um, but here we've 
we're super fortunate that we have a very large outdoor patio. And so even when we were legally allowed to open the inside on May 29th, we made the decision we weren't going to do that and that we were going to do outside cocktail service where they can walk up and order from two, two different windows and, um, you know, enjoy it outside. We just didn't want the staff to have to enforce social distancing on the inside of the bar and deal with occupancy counts at the door because at 50% occupancy with the small building that we have. Um, it would be it would be really hard to control. And there's a lot of tourists out right now um, in Tahoe. And so we see, you know, on a weekend, we can see well over a thousand people a day. We just don't want to don't want to have to deal with that. So it's kind of really sucks for us that we're going to get not even allowed to be served outside, even though we've done everything we possibly can to, to try and do things right or more than they're asking prior. So yeah, sorry to be a Debbie Downer, but <laughs> <laughs> have you have you considered sell find, like looking for a loophole and maybe selling peanuts or popcorn as that is technically food? We tried that in April. We tried to get a deli license to serve hot dogs, and they wouldn't give us a deli license because we don't have a commercial dishwasher. So, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I'm like, this hot dog can live for like nine months in the fridge and I need to have a commercial dishwasher to serve it in a nacho tray. That makes a lot of sense, but. Yeah, so you don't have a commercial dishwasher, but you do have a bra seller. And I was just wondering if you could expand on that because we saw that on your website and we were intrigued. It's actually not a seller, it's a safe. Yes, yes, a safe. Yeah, so the story with all the bras in the safe, it's a really cool safe from Cincinnati, um, Ohio. It's like 100 years old. In the late 1970s, there used to be bras hanging from all the chandeliers and the ceiling and everywhere. Um, and Raquel Welch came in. I don't know if you guys know who she is. I unfortunately do not know who that is. <laughs> she was kind of an iconic movie star um, a long time ago. I think she's 78 years old now. Um, she looks damn good for her age, so you'll have to Google her. But she was in a film called 10,000 BC. So it's she's uh, she was wearing like a leopard print outfit and dinosaurs were chasing her. You might have seen the black and white stills somewhere from it. It's really film. But anyway, she came in and they asked her if she would donate her bra. And she said, well, I'll only give you my bra if you take all the other bras down. I personally think she was just trying to get out of an awkward situation because she's a really nice lady. And they did it. So then she had to give her bra. So all those bras were taken down and put into the safe. And then her bra is hanging, I believe, on the antlers of um, a deer by the jukebox. Yeah. <laughs> that is legendary. <laughs> And it's been hanging up there for a long time. And this place is known for being really, really dusty. Like we have a rule you clean from the shoulders down. Um, and so there's dust and cobwebs and stuff. And it used to be leopard print, but it looks to be pretty prehistoric now. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned that it's pretty old and dust accumulates pretty fast. Um, what kind of renovations or restorations have uh, taken place at Genoa Bar over the years? Yeah, so we've done quite a lot. It seems like every year we we try and do something. The latest that we did was during the first shutdown, we were able to um, 
replace our flooring. We actually just went over the top of the existing flooring. Uh, we had some issues with some floor joists underneath and support. You know, we have a pool table that sits on top of a cellar that's like 11 feet deep. So we got to make sure that, you know, everything is is good. So <clears throat> we ended up doing some repair work on um, support stuff underneath and then went over the top and um, put in some nice blue hickory over the existing floor. And there were some pieces that were original floor pieces. So we, you know, it was like not an easy decision of do we, do we um, change the flooring, but it was pretty necessary to be done. Um, it's weird to bartend be behind the bar. I'm still waiting to do that because we haven't bartended behind the existing bar since March, but I'm excited to walk on a level floor while I'm working. That's, that seems like a plus <laughs> side for me. <laughs> That's what everybody wants. Just a nice floor to stand on sometimes. I'm, you know? I'm, I'm cracking up now because we're serving out of these service windows and like the front door. And so the places where we're standing is very unlevel. And I'm like, man, we finally get our level floor to stand on. We don't get to stand on it yet. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So you mentioned that your location uh, is pretty influential with your business and some like movie stars that come in and stuff like that. What what else is near you guys? I know you guys have Lake Tahoe, um, obviously next to California. Anything else? Uh, Virginia City. Have you ever heard of that place? I'm not familiar with it. No. Okay. So that's like 40 minutes from us. Um, and you should Google that too and look it up because it's really cool. It's basically a fully operational mining town um, that has like the original boardwalk planks that you walk down with all of the shops um, and the different things there. So that place is close by and is a really big tourist attraction too. Um, their biggest claim to fame is, I believe they have the largest silver vein in the world. It's never, not, none bigger has ever been found even to this day. So that place um, is old. And I believe, I believe that place was like 10 years or so after Genoa was established in 1851 um, was that place. I could be wrong. It might be a, like eight years or something, but um, yeah. So that place is really old too. They have some old bars there too. It's just a cool old Western mining town to check out. Is that city haunted? Because I recall seeing Ghost Adventures. They went somewhere that looked a lot like that city. That's one of the places where they got really famous was the Washoe Club in Virginia City. And I've, I've toured that place. I've, I've gone on some, some ghost tours and stuff. And there, there's definitely stuff there for sure. All right. I mean, <laughs> now you got to tell us. Like, you can't just leave us with that, right? Well, what are some really good ghost stories from your experiences there? Okay, well, I have some from the Genoa bar um, that are are pretty wild. I'm so, all ears. I, I can listen. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? People love this. <laughs> um, so one one of the stories I have is um, I'm busy, like it's in the afternoon, and uh, my whole bar is full, and I'm at my poor station. And about 12 feet away is a cooler and there's plastic like beer pitchers on top of the cooler. And, and it's like the roll top kind, you know, that you open to get to get beer out of. And a, a a plastic pitcher flew off and hit me in the leg as I was pouring a drink. 
and then oh fell on God. the floor and like made a bunch of noise. And there was four gentlemen sitting there that saw the whole thing happen. And they were, I, I couldn't talk for a second. Cause I'm like that. I am a very, like, I got to find the logic. How did that happen before I go like totally freak out that something's paranormal. Um, and you learn to do that when you work in an old bar, because you're just going to lose your mind if you don't. Yeah. They were like white, white as ghosts. And they immediately put their hands up in the air. Like, you know, like you're raising your hands to a police officer or something. And we're like, we didn't, we didn't do that. We didn't throw that. And I'm like, no, I know you didn't, you didn't move, you know? And they very quickly closed out their tabs and left. They were pretty freaked out. <laughs> oh my God. I wish something like that would happen to me. Yeah. No, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I know it's, it's unnerving for sure. But, and then when I first started working here, um, you know, you're here by yourself. I was working Saturday, Sunday nights, and you're here by yourself at, you know, two thirty, three o'clock in the morning when you're closing sometimes. So you do last call with the last few stragglers, you know, give them a porch beer, lock the door, like tell them it's over. I had done that with a few gentlemen and I'm back in my office on the other side of like 18 inch brick, which is, um, my office is like an add on to the existing building. That's um, the old wall. And I'm sitting there and I'm hearing men talking and laughing and carrying on inside the bar. And I immediately am like, how in the hell did they get back in here? Like I locked all the doors and I told them I was done and I'm like kind of pissed off. <laughs> so I jump up and I, I go out there and I'm like, okay, nobody's in here. And I was so convinced that there were, there was people in there that I'm like checking the bathrooms. Then I'm like, okay, maybe I just heard them outside. And so I go outside and they're not there. They had left. And so there was nobody there. And that happened twice before I was like, okay, I'm just going to turn the TV on in here while I'm alone. And like friends on TBS will play at two 30 in the morning. And that will be what I hear. <laughs> <laughs> that is so spooky. Do you know, like, have you done any research behind like the history is like, if there's any deaths in the bar or anything crazy or Sure. So, um, I mean, deaths in a bar isn't like that abnormal of a thing, I guess, but any like really tragic or like murders, none that we know of. Um, there are stories in town about them pulling people out of here that had committed crimes. And then um, we have a hanging tree in town. That sounds terrible, but uh, where they would, they would, they hung somebody that had shot somebody in town that was like very beloved but none, like none really bad that happened here. Um, we have had some different paranormal investigators come in that have all talked about a gentleman named Red that visits this place. And from what they have said with different psychics and some EMF recordings and stuff like that. He chooses to come here because this was his favorite place. And, and so he'll come and visit this place, but not that he actually like died here or is trapped here or something like that. So that's like a nice ghost story, right? Yeah, it's good to know that people still come to the bar even when they're dead. Yeah, I know. I'm like, they're just like caretakers, you know, hanging out, making sure everything's okay. That's sweet. 
Like imagine just having like a customer that you liked for a really long time and then they died and you were sad and they still come back and visit you. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, I know. I mean, it would be terrifying, but you'd get over it. Would it would be terrifyingly right. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and there there's stories over the years. Um, my parents, like when I was younger, they they have had, I think, a couple of bartenders who literally got too freaked out to be in here and like locked the door and then turned in their keys and were like, sorry, can't do it. <laughs> Holy smoke. I've never yeah. yeah, I've never experienced that managing here. I don't think there's there's anything uh, malicious yeah. about whatever it is. You know, I, I kind of buy into the theory too about um, like the imprinting that can happen on an old place where it's like, like the, for instance, the laughter I heard that's not an actual spirit. It's like some kind of replay or something. I don't know. I like that. And yeah. I guess we can move away from ghosts now, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so Genoa bar, you guys have a lot of cool drinks. And one of the ones I saw that was most frequent on your social medias was the rum runners. Um, why is that such a fan favorite? Yeah. So, um, I'm not really sure. So it used to be we bought a rum runner machine for um, an event that the town do- does every year called Candy Dance. And it's a hundred year event. This last year was the hundredth year. And so we would, because it's a big, you know, God awful machine and we don't have a, a place to really put it behind the bar to sell them regularly. So we were known for every year you come to Candy Dance and you get a Genoa bar rum runner. And um, it's like tropical juice and white rum with a, um, a dark floater of Myers rum on the top. They're really, really good. And with how we, we adapted to serving with um, COVID in mind and having the service windows, we've been able to operate with our runner machine um, every day since we're set up better to handle it that way. And so people have, have been super, super stoked and super excited about being able to get a rum runner more than once a month, like if we do an event or once a year even. But the old girl is like 40 years old and she crapped out on us. So we had to get a new compressor and that was like $2,000. We priced out new ones and they were like $11,000. I'm like, what? uh, (laughs) Yeah, I know. A Slurpee machine. Come on. I don't know why they're that expensive. But, um, so we got the new compressor and yesterday we served for four hours and then the inside part blew up. So <laughs> people are going to be de- devastated. I literally have people call on the phone and ask if the run, run, runner machine is working, like before they drive an hour here to come and get one. It's pretty funny. Oh, wow. It must be, it must be pretty dang good then. <laughs> good there's only one other place that has a similar recipe i think ours is better they're in lake tahoe theirs is a 12 ounce ours is a 16 ounce and theirs i believe is 12 dollars, and ours is eight dollars so we're just we strike all the boxes with with a better rum runner (laughs) (laughs) he tells you not to worry about yeah (laughs) yeah So you guys mentioned that you have events in the summer and you also have, um, what, what was the event? My bad. That was a hundred years. The, the dance. Uh, candy dance. Yeah. Candy dance, um, yes. And it's called, yeah, 
Yeah, it's called Candy Dance because the town, um, through volunteers and stuff, uh, makes candy and then they sell it. And originally, um, a woman, the women in town got together and they want a hundred years ago and they wanted to get um, gas street lamps in town for when they were walking around at night. And so they all made candy and they held a dinner dance at the town hall and then made plated dinners that people could buy. And they raised the money to put in um, the gas street lamps in town. And it's just continued every year after that. And it has grown so large now um, that it's over 350 vendors. Um, over the course of two days, our little town will see upwards of 100,000 people. It's pretty wild. You, you wouldn't recognize the town at all. So we, we joke that that's our to-do list weekend because whatever, whatever major thing we have on the to-do list for the business for the year, we make the money for it that weekend. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, this year it got canceled. Next year is going to be going to be a big one. People will be excited. Oh, uh, it got canceled this year. When is uh, when's the date for that usually? It's always the last full weekend of September. Okay. Yeah, and they still have um, like a dinner dance with a band, and they sell tickets for it. And I believe a majority of our town budget is also derived from that. They make like five thousand pounds of candy or something like that. That they sell it's they take eight weeks with volunteers to make all the candy to sell in the two days what's the most popular candy probably any of the fudge the peanut butter cups are the are my favorite those are the best in the freezer that sounds mad good how many dentists are in town <laughs> i know right <laughs> and so you have the candy dance and you guys also have summer porch parties and you guys have Friday night music as well. What kind of music can the audience expect on any given Friday? Yeah, so we're pretty eclectic. Um, our Friday night music series is October through April. And um, our Sunday summer porch parties is May through October. So, but the music wise, it would be rock, um, blues, um, old school country, um, new country. We have some really good funk bands. Uh, we have a great 80s band. That's an 80s tribute band. And they totally dress the, the, the piece for it. And they have all the lights for it. And it, they're, they're a favorite for sure. They, they're a lot of fun. It sounds like fun. I'd like to see that. Yeah, it's pretty funny. because They bring like, all the black lights and then people, everyone wears neon. And you're in this old Western country bar that's like 160 years old. <laughs> That screams Nevada to me. No, that's a that would be something that you would see in Nevada for sure. It's pretty fun. I guess we got to go down. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And on your menu, we talked about the rum runners. One other thing I saw there that yeah. I was interested in was the peanut butter whiskey. How is that? Have you have you heard it or have you tried it? Yeah. No, that is delicious, and I don't like whiskey, but. I would give up everything on the planet before I gave up peanut butter, probably. So um, it works really good for me. But yeah, no, I actually had to get it because I was getting asked daily for it for like two weeks straight <laughs> um, last winter. And I'm like, okay, all right, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Um, but it's called Screwball. It's really, really good. Is that uh, local, locally distilled? Because I've never heard of it here anyway. I don't 
think so. I don't know where it's distilled. Um, I know they're pretty big. They're probably just not, you know, to sell to sell it across state lines with different like you have to you have to go through things to be able to sell in different states. So I think they might just only be on the West Coast right now or something. Right. And I didn't mean like them specifically. I've just never heard of peanut butter whiskey. And I'm also a very big, yeah, I'm a very big fan of peanut butter in general, you know, peanut butter, ice cream, whatever it is. Um, So yeah, I've I've never had it, but I'd love to try some. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. You just probably have to make a trip out West just for it because it's that good. It's really good chilled. It's really good in coffee. It sounds delicious. I mean, like Frankie said, I love me some peanut butter. I also love me some whiskey. So I'm sure it'll taste <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And what are some other highlights from Genoa Bar uh, in the history of its legacy? Is there anything in particular that stands out as one of your favorite stories? So we have a really cool story about John Wayne. They did all the filming for his very last film that he did, The Shootist, in our area. Um, And they did some filming in the bar, too. I don't believe the bar made the cut in the film based on watching it. I can't really see if that's us or not. But when they wrapped up production, you know, during that time, I guess I should preface with John Wayne's character in that film. He knew he was dying. And that's the character he was playing. And also in real life, John Wayne also knew he was dying and had um, a recent diagnosis and they wrapped up production here and he came to the barkeep um, in the bar and said, you know, what is your highest revenue day out of the year? What is the number? And the barkeep told him and he said, okay, times that by seven days and I want the keys and I want to be left alone in here and I don't want anyone coming in. So he drank in here for a week alone. It's kind of a sad story, but it is a really cool story too. That's wild. <laughs> yeah. I yeah, I've never heard that story. Yeah, it's it's kind of a trip and you know, like you you imagine what he was thinking about or what he was doing while he was in here, you know, kind of kind of interesting stuff. Yeah, and they didn't have like Grubhub back then or DoorDash. I don't know if he was eating anything. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. like it looks like there's some peanuts in here or something. You know, Joe, knowing John Wayne, he probably was packing his own T bone steaks with him or something, but or, <laughs> Mary and Robert Morrison. That's what we should say. Cause that was his real name, but <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. And there are any other crazy stories you want to share? Yeah. So, um, I don't know if you guys know that song. It's, it was, um, Toby Key's song. I'd love this far. Mm-hmm. I love this far. Yeah. I, I'm not the biggest country fan, but my mom loved country. So that's all I listened to growing up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. So uh, probably most bartenders, it was in the top 10. It was the number one bar jukebox song for like five years straight. So if you would ask to like take a poll with bartenders in either Western bars or bars that play a lot of country, which song like makes them crazy and they could go without ever hearing again, it would probably be that song just because we've all heard it so much. (laughs) It's gotten better here for sure because we finally have an internet jukebox before when we had a CD jukebox, it was like dying slowly. But um, (laughs) that's just my opinion. A lot of people love that song. Not knocking Toby (laughs) Keith. Anyway, he plays up at Lake Tahoe every Labor Day weekend. And so some people had told him about our bar because the truth is 
that song, if you listen to the lyrics, it is exactly what our bar is about having all kinds of different kinds of people. We have golfers, we we see tons of motorcycles. Um, there's a lot of motorcycle clubs that visit us. So it's very eclectic in the type of crowd that we have. And so some folks told him about our bar. So he came down and um, bought one of our t-shirts. And then uh, later that weekend when he was on stage and he went to sing that song, he put our shirt on and then sang that song. So that was pretty cool. That is really cool. That is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'd be geeking out. I'd be like, he's wearing our shirt. That's that's my bar. (laughs) And he's got a piece of song about the bar. (laughs) I'm kind of like... um, late in the game with social media and so we just got an instagram page like less than six months ago i've always done facebook but i'm like okay i gotta like up my game here and visit this and what really made me do it was i felt terrible but helen mirren came in here and posted about the bar and like all these wonderful things to all her followers about like how if she lived here this would be her watering hole and like all this great stuff and it was hashtagging Genoa Bar, like trying to tag us. And I'm like, oh my God, we just got on like a major celebrity coming to our bar and talking about this is not good marketing. So <laughs> that that's pretty wild. Uh how has yeah, so- marketing how has marketing changed since the era of social media? What what was it like before and what is it like now? Yeah, well I mean definitely it's definitely exploded our business. I mean, we're already in a tourist industry to begin with, like heavily. So with that as the background, and then having such a unique place that would be an attraction that people would want to come and check out, it kind of naturally works really well for us with um, people identifying us and sharing us. I think we have um, 9,000 followers on on Facebook and that's like without effort or really really trying so we feel really really blessed I think it just has to do with you know us being a really cool original old place the bar top is original on the inside the chandeliers are original three out of four of the posts on the front porch are original the front porch um, flooring a majority of it is original so the whole building is I mean it's it's like a little it's we say it's like we work in a museum that also serves drinks and sells t-shirts. Let's <laughs> go. Good way to look at that. You got, you, got, you got some history. You got some drinks. Why not mix the two, you know? What more can you yeah. ask for? Yeah. Yeah. And we, we get people from all over the world with Lake Tahoe because people from all over the world visit Lake Tahoe. And so I've had as many as like nine different countries of origin at one time inside that I'm serving. And it's, it kind of blows my mind all the time because I'm like, here I am in this tiny little town. You know, I'm just a small town girl. And then there's people here that are from countries. I'm not quite sure where they are on the globe. <laughs> what is the most influential um, resource or yeah, I guess like history? Where, where does Genoa Bar get most of its its creativity and its like uniqueness from? Would you say it's um, being that you're very close to like Tahoe or that you were formerly, you know, a Mormon territory or anything like that? Probably just being the, the oldest bar in Nevada. You know, our name is a saloon where we're also our other name that we go by is Nevada's oldest thirst parlor. So um, probably just, yeah, just that we're 
we're Western history that you can come come check out. That's close by some big attractions. Right on. When you first got into the industry, you said before that you were um, not really familiar with it and that your family wasn't, it wasn't like a, a thing that was passed down from generation to generation. It was all relatively new for your family. What is something that you guys all learned along the way that you wish you had known going into it? I can't really pinpoint anything that I wish we would have known because I feel like all the experiences of figuring out along the way has helped us um, grow and succeed. So I'm not really sure how I would answer that, but I think, I think as a family, us working together, it's actually been really good for our family. Um, And a lot of families probably couldn't say that. I think just paying close attention and really educating yourself on the industry. My dad did a really, really good job of um, befriending other bar owners and learning from them and specifically like old bars or some like the bucket of blood in Virginia city is one that my dad kind of investigated a little bit to, to really learn and definitely knowing your industry and making partnerships with other people in the industry is like something you definitely should do. And that's one thing that you can apply to just that, that's, uh, to any industry is taking advice from people that had experience through that and finding that mentor or uh, just advice from people who already went through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can see like, like a good example of learning within my family is neither. It's kind of funny, but neither of my parents bartend. Um, my dad tried it for like five minutes and he said it was like the worst version of hell he's ever experienced. He's not, he is the guy who wants to sit on the other side of the bar and tell you stories for like an hour. Um, <laughs> that's who my dad is. Um, when I ended up working here and learning about bartending and I was really, really lucky to be taught by um, some really great women that had been here for many years um, that were veterans in the industry and so I learned so much from them that when we have, we're having family discussions about changes that we were going to make or what we should do, I was able to bring in that perspective as the bartender with what works and what doesn't work that maybe my parents didn't have a full understanding of because they weren't a bartender. Definitely, if you want to go into the industry and you haven't bartended or you haven't spent a lot of time working in the industry at all or, or near it, you definitely want to find some really good, really honest <laughs> um, bartenders that that can help you figure some things out because you, having the perspective of working it versus owning it are kind of two different things. Well said. What is one piece of advice that you would give to anyone else looking to join the restaurant or bar industry? Ask for help. I know typically a lot of people that have entrepreneurial spirits tend to take on too much and maybe not delegate as well. And so find your team, find find people that you can rely on, trust on. Um, that's been a big experience for me to learn how to do is to kind of let go of control of things and not try to do everything because when your heart and soul is, is so attached to um, your income, your profession, your livelihood, it can, it can be a little taxing emotionally. So just, yeah, ask for help and, you know, set some boundaries for yourself to regroup and recharge when you need to do it. 
that's pretty common amongst entrepreneurs, I would say, is that they, they drive themselves, uh, they drive themselves into the ground almost just, you know, every single day, 24 hours a day, um, right. doing, trying to do it all by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I, I know for me, like during the 10 weeks we were on lockdown with quarantine, I felt myself personally about like, okay, when we go back, you're going to go back better than before. So what can you do to help yourself run this place more efficiently? You know, I have a young family. I have two little kids, a one-year-old and a two-year-old. So I'm, I can be stretched kind of thin at times. So I want the best for my family and I want the best for my business too. Congratulations on the little ones. Thank you. You're crazy. (laughs) If you weren't operating a bar, what do you think you'd be doing? Besides being a preschool teacher. Right. Um, You know, I don't know other than I would be working for myself. (laughs) That is probably kind of the only thing I, I am like a person who likes change and likes new experiences and is kind of ambitious like that. So I'm always open to pursuing and learning about different things. Um, But I don't have anything that I can really think of that I would do other other than this, other than for sure, knowing I would work for myself. (laughs) What was your favorite subject in school? Probably history or anything with reading. I'm an avid reader. Um, I wasn't a very studious child for sure. I preferred to talk (laughs) than listen most of the time. So yeah, I was there for the social hours mostly. (laughs) Oh, weren't we all? (laughs) Yeah, right. Going back to um, if you weren't um, being a bartender, you said you'd like to do a lot of stuff for yourself and kind of be adventurous. Going off of that, uh, is there any, have you been to anywhere cool around the world or do you plan on going anywhere in the future? Um, I really want to go to Ireland and Iceland. I really want to go there. That place, I don't know, just kind of fascinates me and seems like a fairly safe place in Europe. Oh, I guess <laughs> maybe right now, but um, I don't have any exact plans for the future. Yeah, I I do enjoy Hawaii. I've been fortunate enough to go to Hawaii um, more than once. That place is awesome. I have some some family friends that live there. That's probably one of my favorite places for sure. Very cool. I have a question about Hawaii. So how I think is like bats live in Hawaii, correct? I'm not sure. They don't have rabies okay. there. Never mind. Because I recall hearing that bats live in Hawaii, and which completely confused whoever it was I was listening to because they said, well, how did the bats get there? And I remember hearing from another source that I think they got there by boat, but I'm not sure. And I was just wondering if you knew the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> I just Googled it for you. And there is a bat. Oh yeah, the Hawaiian Hawaiian hoary bat. (laughs) Okay. All right. Sounds like a good bat. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned Iceland, and that is one of the coolest places that I've seen. I've never been, but it's a place I would like to go. Um, Is there any place in Iceland that you want to go specifically? Because I know pretty much the whole country is gorgeous. You can drive around and just see cool stuff all the time. Not really. I am nowhere like in particular. So I, my vacation strategy is usually to like 
be alone, <laughs> even though I'm such a people person and I like to socialize, I want to retreat and like be in a quiet, quiet place. I'm super boring, I guess. But uh, yeah, I would honestly anywhere there. Norway, I would love to go to Norway too. Um, I had a group of Nor- a Norwegian motorcycle club come last summer. They were a lot of fun and they, they landed and then rented Harleys and then were touring the United States for like three months. That's so sick. Yeah, it's so rad. So they came here um, because... Uh, a famous person in the town of Genoa is somebody called Snowshoe Thompson. And he was a Norwegian who delivered the mail all the way across the Sierras on skis, on Norwegian skis. It's They call them snowshoe, but it wasn't actually snowshoes, it was skis. Um, and so they heard about that. So they came down and they were a lot of fun. And so they have actually sent me postcards from their favorite bars in Europe that they that they have visited. So I've got some some cool postcards from them that they send because I think the Genoa bar was their favorite bar in the United States or at least in their top three. They'd have to confirm that with me. But Wow. I mean, that's that's an honor right there. I know. It's really cool. And my husband has um, Icelandic and Viking heritage. So we would love to go there and check all that out. Very cool. Yeah. So you, well, you have like a short list, I guess, of, uh, bars that you can visit in Norway and in Europe, but in your hometown, what is your favorite restaurant? My hometown would be Gardnerville. That's close to Genoa. And I would say that would probably be, be JT's Basque. Um, it's a Basque family restaurant that's been there for a really long time. And they just have really good steak and ranch style, family style Basque food. You're going to have to clarify for me. I'm not really sure what Basque means. Okay, so um, it's probably more prevalent in um, in the West, but the Basque people, there's French Basque and Spanish Basque. And the Basque people are known for being sheep herders and things like that. And so a large group had come to the Carson Valley where we live, or Nevada in general, and brought their sheep. So we have a lot of Basque history in Nevada. And a Basque way of dining, I guess, would be you pick your entree, but then you get served like four to six different things before you ever get your entree. And it's done family style. So like a big pot of soup is put on the table with bread and then a giant salad is put on the table. Um, And yeah, it's kind of like like Western ranch food, I guess you would say. But the Basque style of dining is... Um, in the way they cook their food and then also uh, the experience of of how they serve you food. It's really kind of interesting. And they're known for um, a cocktail called a pecan. And it's a very lethal cocktail, <laughs> very high octane. Um, I, I'm not a super fan of them. So I'll disgrace myself as a Nevadan by saying that, I guess. But it's if you have a couple pecans, you're not really going anywhere, and you're probably going to need a large steak and a lot of bread as well. So, <laughs> <laughs> thank you for sharing that. There's there's a lot to Nevada that I just do not know about. I really need to get out there. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. There's a lot of cool history here. And this is like one of the the fun off topic questions that we like to ask our guests, being that you operate a bar. 
Um, it, do you think that there is a hangover recipe? Um, no, <laughs> I don't think so. I think this sounds probably terrible, but the best hangover recipe is waking up still intoxicated because then you can deal with the hangover better. But um, yeah, I don't know of any real remedy or recipe. We're really famous for our Bloody Marys. So we, a lot of people claim that our Bloody Marys are good for that. So I guess I should put that in there. But me personally, I don't drink too much. And so I can say, I don't know of any hangover remedies that have worked for myself. <laughs> hey, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. Have you participated in the Genoa ghost tours? I haven't, but um, they usually finish at the bar. And so they bring the group in um, afterwards. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. I have like a weird kind of like ghost psychic story about, about one of those tours. If you want to hear that one. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm always yeah. down for some paranormal <laughs> stuff. So the big group comes in, right? And um, it's in the evening. I think it's like a Friday night. There's like 30 of them. And, you know, they're all ordering like hot cocos or something. And we don't have a hot cocoa machine. So here I am like mixing hot cocoa, like your mom in the kitchen with the powder and like the whatever, right? And I have like 30 of them to do. So I'm like going quickly to try and get these people their hot cocoa in my bar. And um, (laughs) there's this... Uh, older couple sitting across from me at the poor station. And it's so funny. They have a iPad and it has one of those ghost on it. And it's like doing the radar thing and like circling around and like pinging. Oh, there must be something over there and blah, blah, blah. And they're just so into it. And I'm trying to keep a straight face because I'm like, this is just a bunch of horseshit, right? (laughs) But yeah, I'm like, okay. And so then the word generator on the app starts saying Keplar, like K-E-P-L-A-R. And it starts repeating it over so much that it's like hundreds of times Kepler, Kepler, like in this app, in the, I don't know what the word generator was. It's like supposedly the ghost can manipulate it and like put a word in there or something. And so they start freaking out and they're like, who is named Kepler? And, you know, like they're, they're like, well, is there anyone in this, in the cemetery? Is there anyone in town? And they're asking me while I'm trying to work and I'm like doing all, and I'm like, I don't know. I have had no idea, you know, I have no idea. And, um, and then, you know, it clears out or whatever. And then they get up and leave and I'm cleaning up. And I remember that the night before when I worked, in the same two seats those people were sitting in, there was two guys sitting there. And we were having a conversation about the golf course nearby that had just sold. And we were trying to remember the last name of the new owners. And we couldn't remember what it was. And we we did the whole thing for like 20 minutes. Oh, it's right on the tip of my tongue, but I can't say it. And we're like, we know it starts with a K. And it was Kepler. Man, that's crazy. So it was super creepy that like 24 hours later, like whatever was answering that, and, you know, here I am like making these people. And then like after they leave, I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> Not only is the ghost uh, still lively coming to your bar, but it's still helping you guys out. Yeah, I know. He's, he's aware of real time and wants to give the information that we all need. That's too funny. That was the first thing I thought of. I was like, man, that ghost was just chilling in there the night before. He was like, listening. It's Kepler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's like, you idiots. How do you not know? (laughs) No, that's, that's absolutely wild. That's one of the better stories I've heard. Yeah. Yeah. That was a weird one for sure. And it seems like a lot of the ghost stories that I have are similar in nature to that. Like it's some weird psychic thing that happens and not like seeing an apparition or anything like that. Just weird, weird stuff. Oh yeah. I mean, I just, the paranormal activity can come in so many different forms. Like I, I don't even know what to say. It's just, it's whole other, whole other, I don't even know. study. Some other. Yeah. It's hard to examine. <laughs> what is your favorite thing about operating a bar? So I would say for sure, seeing people's joy and excitement and the wonder that they sometimes show when they walk in here for the first time. That is a favorite thing. The other favorite thing is when people come in that maybe have been gone for a long time and they tell me a story about when they were a little kid and they came in here with their dad or their grandpa, you know, and had a cherry Coke while their dad or their grandpa had a a beer on the porch. Um, We've had being open for so long. um, It feels kind of like we don't just own this place, but we're like caretakers of history. Like we exist alongside with it. It doesn't feel fully ours. It feels like it exists outside of us. And so it's just really cool to hear, hear different people's experiences or what their life was like when they used to live here or if they're revisiting. One of my favorite stories about that was um, a family came in one night while I was working And it was clearly a multi-generational family um, that came in and they had brought the matriarch and the patriarch of their family in to celebrate their 70th wedding anniversary here because they met here. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so for me, that was like a a really like heartfelt moment for me to, to kind of witness that. And I met my husband in this bar, um, before before I was working here, actually, it was kind of funny. We were dragged here against against our will by other people, and that's how we ended up meeting. But but yeah, just to see the history of that and to hear people's stories, it feels um, it feels very special. That's really awesome. So we're we're a little over an hour now. We don't want to take you for too long. Uh, do you have any final thoughts about anything you'd like to mention about your bar? Any final thing you'd like to say? We're just an old school bar and a fun neighborhood place and also a great place to come visit and check out. And God willing, this place will be here long after I am. <laughs> Another 160 years. And then are you going to be, are you going to be a ghost in uh haunts, haunts the bar as well and help the, the oncoming? Oh, for sure. I'm going to, I'm going to throw plastic something at somebody for sure. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for your time, Lindsay. Where can they find you on social media? Um, so you can look us up at Genoa Bar, Nevada's oldest thirst parlor is our page name. Um, and then on Instagram, I believe we're just Genoa Bar. Cool. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. All right, After Hours Nation, we hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you'd like to stay updated, you can check out our site at afterhourscast.com. Don't forget to tune in next Tuesday morning for our next episode. After Hours Nation, stay thirsty, my friends.